0: All right. um, I want to begin tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about journaling, and so I want to begin with a little bit of a journal entry, shall I? All right. This journal uh, entry—I'm not going to tell you who it is. If you've if you've heard the story of this individual, you'll know within the first three sentences who it is. Okay. But this journal entry was dated Wednesday, May 24th of 1738. The writer writes this. In the evening, I went very unwillingly, I love how he admits that, to a society in Aldersgate Street, where one, of, one was we, reading Luther's preference to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. I began to pray with all my might for those who had, in a more special manner, despitefully used me and persecuted me. I then testified openly to all there that I now first felt in my heart, but it was not long before the enemy suggested, this cannot be faith. For where is thy joy? Then I was taught that peace and victory over sin are essential to the faith and the captain of our salvation, but that as to the transports of joy that usually attend the beginning of it, especially in those who have mourned deeply, God sometimes giveth, sometimes withholdeth them according to the counsels of his own will. After my return home, I was much buffeted with temptations, but I cried out and they fled away. They returned again and again as I often lifted up my eyes and he sent me help from his holy place. And herein I found the difference between this and my former state chiefly consisted. I was striving, yea, fighting with all my might under the law as well as under grace. But then I was sometimes, if not often, conquered. Now I was always conquered conqueror. Y'all know who that was, writing? That was John Wesley. Sorry, I didn't hear you (laughs) until I started. George Washington? No, that was John Wesley. I understand that, yes. Yes, the Wesleys were around back then too. If you read his journals, you will read that Wesley for a long time was already a preacher. It's funny how these guys that are some of the great preachers of years past uh, come, come to salvation uh, after they begin their ministry. <laughs> you know, maybe getting a little bit of the order mixed up, but if you read his, his journals, you'll see, in fact, right before this entry, the sentence before where I read, it says, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I was distraught of soul. <laughs> God had been working in him. So much so that months prior he had asked a close friend, should I stop preaching? I, I don't even I don't even know if this is real within me. And 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 the guy was like, no, preach faith until you have it. And then once you have it, you will preach faith. <laughs> Which is a great line in and of itself. It's amazing when you look at these lives, we tend to think of these people ecstatically, like, like they were born ready to go. I mean, his mother, Susanna Wesley, his, her, his father, uh, oh, what was his father's name? I can't remember their father's name. Anyway, some, some Wesley, his name was Wesley, his brothers and sisters growing up in a home. And you imagine, well, these guys must have been Christians from the time they were knee-high to a grasshopper. Someone made the joke when James was born because both his parents were good at math that he was going to come out of the womb doing calculus. And he just about was there. I mean, he was, he's, he's already got a mind for that kind of thing. But no, you're not born a Christian. And in young, in your life, you may even surrender. You may even say that, that you want to follow Christ when you're little. But sometimes it takes a real crisis before faith really begins. That was the case in his life. And it's because of his journals that we know his struggles. It's because of his journals that we can identify with him and say, yeah, I've been there. I know what it's like to question. I know what it's like to doubt. I know what it's like to wonder, is this true, real? I know what it's like to grow up in a Christian home, to to be part of a society at, at, at Oxford that is devoted to understanding and applying the Bible. Now I never went to Oxford, but I can I can feel a little bit of what he's going through. I've had times where I doubted. I've had times where I questioned. I've had times where I wanted to know: Is this really real? And not, not doubting God, doubting me. Did I really put faith in Christ? So I can I can kind of identify with him. But mostly, what this journal does is not for us. It was for John. He needed to struggle through these things. And writing them out on paper was a way of struggling through. Today, I I, want to give you a couple of benefits to journaling and then some practical tips, and then we're going to do it. Okay, sound good? Let's do it. So journaling, uh, the first thing is, is the benefits. And really, it all boils down to this. Journaling helps us to grow in godliness. The purpose of every single discipline is to grow in godliness. So how do we do that? Well, one of the ways we can do that is by journaling. Journaling specifically has a couple of ways in which it helps us grow. First, it forces us to reflect deeply. It forces us to reflect deeply. You can't keep a journal and do it well without having to really reflect all of us who have written things down whether we've journaled for a short amount of time or a long amount of time all of us have had the experience where you started writing something and then realize oh i don't really know if i really want to go into this because you come face to face with the reality you can't just gloss over it when you're journaling you get down into it it causes you to, to reflect on things. Uh, one verse of scripture that came to my mind is in Romans chapter 12. Paul writes to the Roman church and he tells them, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think of yourself. The, the, the Greek says, Don't superthink of yourself. Uperfroneo is the Greek word, if you if you're interested. Don't superthink but to think with sober judgment. What journaling does is it causes you to look at things soberly. Yes, you may be really upset. Yes, you may be have a whole host of emotions going on. But when you're writing them down, those emotions have a way of clearing out and allowing you to get down to the really core of the matter. This isn't just the teenage diary that you write down what you feel and that's it journaling goes deeper than that it causes you to reflect on things at a very deep intimate level and so you don't superthink. you don't get an inflated view of yourself when you journal because God takes you deeper than that it forces us to reflect deeply it forces us to see not just what's on the surface but what's underneath make those connections that we might not make otherwise second thing it does It chronicles spiritual progress. You especially see this as you go on when you get years of journaling. When you when you have a long period of time and you go back and you check something, you can see the progress that God has made. Maybe it's certain prayer requests that He's answered. Maybe it's things that you've struggled with before, but now you've learned the lesson. And you can look back and you can say, Oh yeah, I remember going through that, and now I see why all of this was happening. For this one. There's several passages in Psalms. Psalms are almost like journal entries at some points. Some points, they are people writing about their personal experience. Some of the historical details have been taken out so we can readily identify with them too. But many times they're born out of personal circumstances. One of the ones that's like that is Psalm 51. And if it wasn't for the title, we might not make the connection. But the title shows us in what circumstance this psalm was birthed. To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now, do you know do you know what the first verse of Psalm 51 says? It says, have mercy on me, O God. He starts immediately saying, God, I need your help. Have mercy on me. I have sinned against you. I know my transgressions, verse three says, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. And he goes on to explain how he has he has uh, been born out of iniquity, but God God wants truth in the inner being, and, and so he asks God, "Purge me with hyssop, hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow." Then pro- probably one of my favorite passages, uh, uh, verse ten, "Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew." a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And then he says, then I'll teach transgressors your ways. When when you do this work in me, when you cleanse me of this sin, then I will be able to go tell them. And you have all before you this chronicling of his journey from the time that Nathan points to him and says, you are the man, to the end of his psalm, You can see David dealing with his sin, broken over it, and how in that brokenness, he is brought to a new kind of life, a life that is, well, it's a lot better off spiritually than when he started, wasn't it? We have the progress. That's the kind of thing journaling does. It tracks that progress, puts it down in writing. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. If you've ever been on a long road trip, you find yourself counting down. Well, how much further till we get there? How much further till we get there? How much further till we get there? You're looking at mile markers trying to figure out, you know, how much further is it to the state line? Or you're watching them count up and you're saying, oh my goodness, when is this road going to be over? Journaling does that. It provides those mileposts. So you can chronicle just how far you've come. Third thing journaling does, it enables us to make disciples. You might not think this at first, it's kind of indirect, but here's the thing: if you are going to make disciples, you have to be a disciple. And journaling provides a means by which you can be a better disciple. You follow Christ more closely because you're tracking things, because you're seeing what God is doing, because you're reflecting deeply. And it provides that type of insight. You know, why do do football players study film before the games they play? So they'll see the patterns on the field and recognize what's about to happen. That's what journaling does. It gives you a chance to see the pattern. And then when you see the pattern playing out in real life, you know how to respond. Hey, I've seen this formation before. I know when they're in this formation, they're going to blitz that free safety. So the quarterback can call his audible and, and the offense can exploit that, that weakness in the defense. I know when I see these circumstances developing in this person's life, I know because I've been there, I've seen this pattern happen before, I know how to help them. I know what to say to them. I know what they're going through so I can help them be a disciple of Jesus. I can help point them to the God who loves them and who's using this circumstance to shape them and mold them because he did it with me. And the reason I know it so well, because I wrote it down. Sometimes there's another indirect way. You're gonna die. Raise your hand if you're human, okay? You're gonna die. When you die, you don't take that journal, do you? You might not wanna think about other people reading your journal. It's okay, we just read John Wesley's. I don't know that he's too excited about that. I don't think he cares now, but, but the fact is, his words could be an encouragement to us in our journey because he wrote them down. You might know 200 people in your life that you can really have an impact on. But when you write it down, who knows how far those words will go? I mean, what was it, 1738? It's 2021, almost 300 years later. It enables us to make disciples. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, one of, one of those passages that just shapes the way you think about family. Here are Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Sound familiar, Savannah? Yeah, you know that, don't you? <laughs> I pray that for her and her future husband every night. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know what's really going on here? You're living a life of discipleship so that your kids will be discipled too that's what he, that's what he's really describing now yeah there's some there's some real practical things in there writing it on the doorpost of your house you can get get some letters and 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 i don't know tape a sign up or or get some vinyl letters and and cut it out you know if you've got that kind of thing that you can do you can buy some in hobby lobby they're way overpriced if you want carrie just would make her own she's she's got the capability of that but the, but the point is write it down write it where you'll see it write it where you can reflect on it. write it where it can shape every day they they wear a little thing on their hands on their heads every day verse four hero israel the lord our god the lord is one constantly reflecting on it constantly reflecting on that truth putting it visually where you can see it, where you can feel it. That's the idea of this. Writing it down gives us a way that we can incorporate it, not only uh, uh, just to help me personally do something every now and then, but to shape the way that I view the world in the way that I teach my kids. Same is true for all of us. All right, so how do we do it? How then shall I journal? Well, Five practical tips very quickly. Number one, journal regularly. You do it every day, that's great. You don't do it every day, that's fine, whatever. Do it Do it as often as you can, but make it a habit to do it. it. This isn't supposed to be a legalistic kind of thing where if you miss a day's entry, you gotta flog yourself or something. It's not like that. Just when you can, do it. Write it down. You might even find that two or three times a day, some days, you need to write it down. Just journal often. Second, journal collectively. What I mean by that is you don't do this by itself. Do it as you're doing the other disciplines, as you're praying, as you're reading, as you're studying, as you're meditating, memorizing scripture, as you're doing all of these disciplines that we're, we have been talking about and we will be talking about. Journal these things down. Use it collectively with all of the disciplines. These things aren't meant to be just one after another after another. They're all meant to incorporate together. So, second, journal collectively. Third, journal comprehensively. Write everything. This isn't just a place for spiritual matters. Write physically what's going on. Write what's going on in your head mentally. I, that's why I love that John Wesley said, I went very unwillingly. <laughs> write down what's going on emotionally, write down what's going on spiritually. Be comprehensive. Third, journal vertically. What I mean by this is, who is the audience of the journal? It ain't you. This isn't just an opportunity to express yourself, though you will get the chance while you're doing this to express yourself. That's not the main point. It's not for anybody else either. You're not journaling, hoping that so-and-so reads it, whoever that so-and-so might happen to be. In fact, most of us when we journal probably don't want so-and-so to read it. (laughs) No, this is for God. So we do it for him. So we write for him. That means God's purpose has to be our purpose. The purpose of this journal is to see God's purposes manifested in you. Brantley, turn around. James, stop. Lastly, I couldn't think of a way to put this with the word journal first, so I had to change it. Sorry. I've tried. I tried for like 25 minutes <laughs> to find an adjective I could, or an adverb I could use on the end of this, but, but I had to change it. Remember frequently. Go back and reread. Look at what God's done. Look at what you've been through, how much you've learned. Maybe you do it this day in my journal and go back and read all the entries from the same day that, that it happens to be. Maybe maybe you don't do that. Maybe you just, every now and then, you just take a look back over the last few months, a few years ago, see what God's done. You know, we all need reminders of his faithfulness, don't we? All right, well, then let's do it. This is the point where you get out your pen and paper and you journal. You can write whatever you feel like writing, but keep in mind, this is for God. So let's pray real quick and then we'll start writing, okay? Pray with me. Father, as we begin to write these things down, the things that you lay on our hearts, the things that that we have been reflecting on or going through, the things that we've been learning in Scripture, the things that, that you have been doing in our lives, Father, I pray that this would bring fruit. This would help us to be better images of you, better image bearers of your son. So bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. For the next few minutes, we're just going to be quiet and right. And after about 10 minutes, I will close this in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. So. Father, I pray that this exercise will help us grow in godliness. I pray that as we journal, whether we have been doing it for a long time or just starting, whether we have been faithful over many years or have been scattered every now and then coming to it, I pray that it would bear fruit and that going forward, all of these disciplines would be more than just circumstantial or convenient practices. May they mold the fabric of who we are, that we would be so much like you, so closely resembling your image that we would be glowing from your presence, that we would have the distinctive aroma of being with you, that people who come around us would know, not that there's anything special about us per se, but would know that we are yours. Father, I pray that we would be the kind of people that you want us to be, and that through journaling and other disciplines, you would bring that about quickly. And then when you do come, whether it's Next week or next month or next year or next decade or next millennium. That we would be a vital component of your church. Father, I want to be the kind of Christian, and I want all of us to be the kind of Christian that brings heaven to earth instead of merely just wanting to leave earth for heaven. So God, through these disciplines, would you help us? Thank you for everything you've done, for everything you're doing, for everything you're going to do. In us to God be the glory, great things He has done. We ask these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.